They're coming for the vets, but we are ready for it. I'm John Chidley Hill. And I am Sheldon Alexander. And this is You Killed It, the podcast talking about the challenge. This is a pretty solid episode. I'm uh, I'm enjoying it. I uh, a lot of uh, moving parts in this one, but I am loving it. It was a really good episode. Um, just the way the season is playing out has been really, really good. I like all the characters. I like just the angles. Everything's good so far. Everything's good. I'm hype. What I like about it is that we're seeing some sort of classic tropes of the challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, mixed in with a little bit of Big Brother. And uh, we, we can get right into this. The Secret Garden Alliance. First of all, classic Big Brother move to name your alliance, which is, I like Big Brother. That might be the lamest part of Big Brother. I think the lame part is the lame names of the alliances, right? Like, it's very rare that you have a good name like the Cookout for the whole like that one season which we have a bunch of people on this season of the challenge but that one season of big brother where again i didn't even happen to watch that season of big brother but the way that it was explained to me and i went back got some clips got the gist of what went down but all the black people got together made in the secret alliance and called themselves a cookout that is high level naming most of the time though it is pretty bad are you not a fan of the works of Francis Hodgson Burnett? No. <laughs> no, I eh? no love for the Secret Garden. I, I got nothing. I got nothing on you there, man. That's fair. She also wrote Little Lord Fauntleroy. I'm sure you knew that, though. Um, of course, it's right naturally. behind. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. It's right behind the sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the other problem I have with this alliance is too damn big. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, that's the classic Big Brother mistake as that's well. That's the other right? thing too. Like, all eight of us are going to see the final. No, yeah. you're not. <laughs> I'm like, hey, like, I'm a, I'm all for empowered women. That's great, but an entire female alliance also not going to work because only one of you can win the women's prize. Also true. We- Presumably only four out of their sizable alliance of, I said the number eight, I'm not sure if that's actually true. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. Mm -hmm. So at some point, they're going to have to eliminate three of their own alliance members if this is like a very successful alliance. Yeah. And eventually, like, someone else is going to realize what's going on and this is going to flip again, right? Like, that's just the way that these things work. But... I give them. I do find it weird though that they haven't included any of the guys. That yeah. I do find kind of weird, but we'll see how it plays out. Because I mean, we all the other trope that we know is that it's very rare. Again, cookout aside, that an alliance starts at the very beginning with such a large number, and it actually works out where one of these people went. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that plays out for sure. Um. The other thing that I thought was funny, interesting, notable to start this episode was Tori's mad at Amanda that she went in and eliminated John A. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, Amanda was not directly responsible. She didn't stop it from happening, but, like, I'm not sure she could have stopped it. Like Like, I don't think Amanda was the difference maker in that vote or anything, like... 
they West was still going to be outvoted. Like she, mm-hmm. I guess, could have put on like a token show of support, but that's that's I'm, not Amanda's way. I'm actually going to use this opportunity because there's a lot of uh, potential quotes that could be the line of the episode, but I think I might get mine out of the way here. Oh. Where Amanda says to Tori, quote, Tori, I know you have a lot of fake friends, but I will never be one of them. You should have known that from the jump. Close quote. I thought that was just chef's kiss. And my guy LT was hitting us up in our mentions about like disliking Amanda, which I, I understand. Like I get that side because Amanda's just pure chaos and not gameplay. But that element is needed in terms of the entertainment of the show. Is she going to win? No. But we know that already. But are you not entertained? Because I'm entertained. We also had Eric uh, comment, okay, this is specifically to me. Okay, I just have to say, as an Amanda hater, I must clarify that, at least for me, it is not because she's a woman. It's entirely on the fact that she talks a lot of shit for never winning anything. Bananas and Wes have titles to back up their shit talk. I hear what you're saying, Eric. My point was that people within the house hate Amanda. And, like, their reaction to her, and we even see it today in this episode, Bananas, like, basically freaks out. And we'll get to it when we get to it. But Bananas freaks out, and everyone just, like, sits there passively and is like, okay, we're just going to let this man talk at us Yeah. for... I don't know. They had to do a montage. She talked so long. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Amanda, she goes on a rant. Everyone's like, man, fuck that bitch. <clears throat> I was talking within the house. Okay. Within that. I gotcha. Yeah. I, for me, I just like the fact that Amanda, whether, you know, it's to a detriment of her game for sure, but she's being her self on television, which I feel like, is such a very interesting dynamic, especially with the conversations we get with Tori and Polly, which we'll get to later on. But I will always value someone that is, she's figured out who she wants to be on TV and that's the representation of herself. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. You know, like if she wants to go on and that's her best way to try to win is to be total chaos. She'll play up being a bad player because she feels like that will get her further along in the game. Like, hey, guys, I'm not really a threat here. I'm just over here. I'm not really a threat. Like, there's bigger, stronger women here. Get them out. You know? Hey, whatever works, I don't know. But we'll see. I, I found it funny anyways. And Tori, Tori being mad at Amanda without even, like, looking at the numbers makes no sense. Yeah. But anyways, what does make sense was I thought – Bananas, Corey, and Wes trying to get on the same page, but they can't get on the same page because Corey still says Fessy is his number one. Yeah. And he doesn't trust Bananas and Wes. So this is the biggest the, plot line of the episode. It is the biggest plot line. And it made me ask a question that, like, maybe we're, we're going to have to get one of these. Uh, competitors on you killed it and people thank you for reaching out to amanda i saw some people on instagram uh looping us in and encouraging amanda to come on you killed it that's awesome oh. thank you but miss that i gotta the, like plug into that the question i want to know is how come they didn't immediately go to josh fessy and uh polly 
and try to get them in the alliance. Because like those three at this point have played more seasons of the challenge than they have Big Brother. Why so, not why not like bring them in? And because that makes your numbers nine instead of six. It's not if you have those three, you know, I know they've had their past issues with Polly and Josh, but like you get closer to being like an insurmountable team, right? Like nine is definitely better than six. So I know obviously this show being cut down to an hour, there's a lot of editing involved. Yeah. So there could be conversations that we don't see. And I understand that. But one thing I did notice that I found very interesting was I think it was when the blue team was having one of their meetings, someone in their confessional, they were referring to the vets, the challenge vets, and they referred to Corey, but not Fessy as being one of the challenge vets. And I thought, wait, are they counting Fessy as a big brother person? Yeah. Likewise, counting Josh and Polly as big brother people as well. And I find that weird. Like that doesn't make sense, right? Like Fessy and especially and Corey, which again, we'll get to that whole thing, but like you have to understand where the numbers lie and the numbers are not in your favor. Like you are not like with the other survivor people and no. big brother people like, they view you as a challenge person. That's a part I don't get, but I don't get it don't. either. It seems like the whole house is so fixated on the six that arrived by Sidu, by Jetski. And like, again, like Michaela and Michelle have been on the challenge as well, right? Like, Michelle's yeah. been on three seasons now of the challenge. It makes me like, wonder if, if this is like a bigger like editing play. Like they're just editing this strategically to frame it more so to the viewer, right? Because again, the whole bigger picture of CBS, this is coming on after Big Brother. And so you're framing it to what you believe is a brand new audience on CBS that isn't really familiar or they're not going to know Fessy, Michelle mm -hmm. from the challenge. They're going to know them from Big Brother. So mm -hmm. I wonder if that's part of it too. And so they're going over and above to edit it in that way, not necessarily for us as challenge viewers, but as in potential new viewers that you're getting on CBS, because you're getting into the millions of viewers, right? Almost like, I think it's like a mil and a half to two mil coming on right after big brother. So mm -hmm. that part's pretty interesting. I want to give enough time. Cause I know I want to get through a, a bunch of stuff here, but I want to give enough time to talk about Polly here because I thought that was a very interesting conversation that he had with Tori for a lot of different reasons. And I'll break it into two parts. The first part, I thought it was very interesting to hear him talk about, you know, just him gaining a better understanding through therapy, it sounds like, and through just maturing and growing up and talking about himself and dealing with just figuring out more about himself and his sexuality and the things that, you know, how he viewed himself before to how he views himself now. And, you know, through the lens of going back and watching his old clips on the challenge and hearing him say, I felt that I had to prove that I was like this big manly man. And that's why I'm like trying to fight everyone on the show to have that realization on this season. I thought was super interesting and super mm -hmm. like, I almost wish that this was the MTV version because you know this conversation would have been stretched out. 
Yeah. And you, I'd want to hear more about the role that Cara Maria probably played on in this as well, just because you have someone else with you going through the whole portion of being on TV while you're growing up and figuring out all these things. That part I thought was good. The part I thought was bad was the Tory side of it because Tory and I know this is editing, so she might've come off a bit better in reality, but what we saw is kind of like Tori, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Confessional. Yeah. So I feel like Polly can be someone that I can work with in this game. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like what just happened here? Like this is my guy's having a moment. My guy's like confessing some stuff to you. And you're just like, Hmm, I feel like he's more calm now. He might be a better person for me to be on my side. Yeah. I thought that was just weird. That was weird. I, you know, it's funny. I didn't even really pick up on that because I was so focused on like uh, thinking about Polly's story and how much she's changed and ma- matured. Like, I'll I'll be honest. I used to hate Polly. Same. And, like, I think like he was so annoying and so toxic. And to see him like come to terms with his authentic self and like they never really like he didn't really come out there as bisexual or pansexual or what or maybe he's straight well, hold on, hold on. i, I want to interrupt you there because i think like that's another big part of why i thought it was a good conversation because they didn't try to like they they didn't you could tell they didn't use it to try to like define him no do you no, know what no. i mean and i think that a lot of times in in these tv shows or even in these conversations and where society's going like you have to be pegged and labeled into blank yeah. Right. Yeah. And they didn't do that at all. Like he just kind of alluded, not even alluded, but he kind of just talked about his experience and just left it as what it is. He didn't, mm-hmm. there wasn't some ending where he's like, and I am this, right. Yeah. Or like I tick this box. And I thought that was a refreshing way to deal with the conversation like that, where far too often it's about ticking some box. Yeah. That's a good point. But still like it was a, a heavy and important conversation where he was talking about how he was always lashing out because he was trying to be someone who he's not. Uh, and like, it's just refreshing to see because like so much of reality TV is people not being themselves. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is one of the reasons why you and I like Amanda so much is she is so real. <laughs> like, to her own detriment she is real (laughs) and like that conversation and then like how we saw polly has changed as a person in this episode i wouldn't say it's giving me like a 180 on polly but like my opinions of him in less than 45 minutes i really changed yeah and like i'll tell you it reminded me of i'm not gonna name names because like i don't think that's right but like you and I went to high school with a guy who I could not stand. I found him to be so annoying all the time, like could not stand him. And then when we were like maybe 24 or 25, he came out as gay and he became to me such a, a nicer, more pleasant person. And like, listen, I was as obnoxious as you can imagine. Well, you don't have to imagine Sheldon. Our listeners can imagine when we were in high school. So like, I'm going to take responsibility for myself. Like I was also annoying and frustrating. I know, but I like him 
so much now. Like he's such a good dude and it's because he can be himself. Right. Mm. And like that experience really opened my eyes up to how painful it is for people who have to live in the closet and can't be true to themselves, whether it's their Mm. gender or their orientation. And so to see what a difference it's made in Polly's life that he's now just comfortable being himself and that he's explored himself. And like, I mean, how cool is it to see someone own that they regret their behavior on reality TV, right? Because like so much of this is always like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Like that's who I am. When you're like, no, no one's like this. <laughs> like this, You're not being a real person where he's like, oh, I'm embarrassed. Like I was not being my best self. I was lashing out. I was trying to project this image of who I should be rather than who I am. Like that was so great. That was, mm-hmm. that was a really nice segment. And to your point, I do wish this was like the 90 minute MTV version. Cause that could have been like a 20 minute segment or a 10 minute segment mm-hmm. instead of the like two and a half minutes it got. And, I loved uh, it. I'll go to the uh, correspondent, which is Amanda's Twitter feed, which says, ah, uh, Polly, uh, I love you, Polly, but don't talk to that monster. After you said something so heartfelt, she said, all she cares about is if you work with her or not. Like what the F? Hashtag challenge USA. She then also goes on to say that Tori is so Tori is so fucking delusional. Please check what's in her quote vegan food because I want some of it if it makes you this out of reality. They didn't show <laughs> me and Tori's full argument. I was yelling that she eats chicken nuggets while everyone is sleeping. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good, so good. That said, let's get to capsize because <laughs> yeah. I am I am going to criticize Amanda. But first, let's yeah. explain what this competition is about. So they have to swim out to a boat, which TJ keeps calling a buoy, even though it's a boat. And um, they have to capsize it. And on the bottom is a chart, and it shows them which flags they need to put on order on the sails of the boat. They then have to swim out to the flags, get the flags. Every significantly, every competitor has to bring at least one flag back to the boat. And then they have to put the flags up in order um, on the boat. Yeah. Here's where I'm going to criticize Amanda. Okay. After all these seasons of the challenge, she can't swim? (laughs) What the fuck? It's funny because I never, I didn't remember that. Like she's not no. one of the people that I remember that can't swim. I swear swim. we've seen her swim. So I wonder if she's just not a good swimmer. I don't know. But either way, like she grabbed on the Wes and she also said that Tyler helped her a lot as well. Tyler, the lifeguard, obviously. And we know Wes is basically the Aquaman of the challenge. But um, yeah, she said she did mention too that hanging on to Tyler was the payback, I guess, for her pulling Tyler up last week in their last elimination. But your point remains. It's been so many seasons. Come on. What are we doing here? And like, we've talked about this before, but like, I understand that for a variety of reasons, people don't necessarily learn to swim. But if you're going to be on a reality TV show whose hallmark is falling from great heights into water, you should probably look into swimming. 
Like you should probably get lessons. And like, I can't believe what I'm about to say. Shout out to Nelson for actually like working at his swimming. Yep. And I want to say Josh too, right? Yeah. And also um, uh, Leroy. Leroy also worked at his Mm -hmm. swimming in the off season. Like, again, I love Amanda. But Amanda, what the hell? Like learn to like practice your swimming. Also, if you have a kid, like that's an important skill. <laughs> like that's a, that is a life skill, potentially life saving. Yeah, very well, true. I, uh, what did you think though of how each team did? We started with the red team. So I thought this was a cool challenge because so much of it is about strategy and teamwork, right? So that matters so much more as opposed to, you know, strength or you could have two of the best swimmers on your team, but if your whole team doesn't work well together, it's not really going to matter. So I thought that was cool, but I also thought that it sucked for team red flag having to go first, right? Because in the challenge like this, where there's so many moving parts, you would want to see how someone else does so that you can play off of that, right? You can see what worked, what didn't work and adjust accordingly. And I think team red flag, being team red flag and then having to go first which is not a good position for them to be in and uh i mean michelle good swimmer does a really good job but then she kind of messed up for her team because she messed up one of the flags and that made them have to flip over the boat again check the work make things you know make sure everything was right and mind you They did tie. They got them all right because they had to double check. But the time that it took them to do that was a difference in them winning or losing. So team red flag being team red flag. That's kind of the biggest thing that stuck out to me in terms of all three of the teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought what was interesting was how organized and how fast the blue team was. Like red team was a hot mess as per usual and blue team, I like could not have done it better. Like I don't, I don't see any wasted time with the blue team. And what I thought was amazing was how bad the green team was. Like, how could you watch the blue team do so well and then do that? So two things. One, the blue team, this is where I think it helped them going second. The first thing they did was, okay, well, we're just going to split up the quadrants. And so each person that was in charge of memorizing only had to memorize five flags, which as I think the red team, what they tried to do was every person was kind of responsible for where their flag was going type of thing, which I think was just a bad way to go about it. But the blue team had a way better um, strategy. And I think the green team, their biggest problem, going back to something we discussed when we saw how the teams were split up, was that the their team's just not as strong in mm-hmm. terms of a team as the other two. And so they had a lot of trouble balancing the boat. And I think that was their biggest issue. But that's just an overall team strength issue as opposed to, you know, whether it was strategy, whether like they could swim, whatever it was, they struggled just balancing the boat and tipping it over and getting the boat to do what they needed it to do. Well, I thought it was unbelievable that the red team couldn't capsize the boat when they were trying, like really struggled with it. Mm-hmm. And then the green team was out there capsizing the boat by accident like three times. Yeah. Well, their mistake too was also that they put 
uh, Monty in the boat and he's like their biggest person. Yeah. And so you could tell that he was tipping it over and that was one of their main issues, right? Like, do you really want to do that? If that you don't want to put your heaviest person in the boat and then you have your weaker people trying to then balance the boat on the outside, like that doesn't really make sense, mm -hmm. but Hey, uh, team green still lost, <laughs> lost bad. Uh, blue team and red team were tied in terms of number of flags. But as we discussed, blue team was so much faster, like yeah. it, never in doubt. It, it was closer than I thought it would be, but still. Yeah. <clears throat> so we go to the voting um, and we've got the blue team trying to decide who to put in. And this is like we already talked about, but this is where it occurred to me where I'm like, why is like Fessel just sitting there? Like, why has no one approached him to be like, yo, like you should be with us. Like you are a challenge veteran. You are at this point more a challenge veteran than a big brother player. Like, why are you like get in here? And at the same time, Corey is like, well, I'm at the bottom of the challenge vets Alliance. So like, I got to make some moves for me and my family because it's Corey and he always brings up his family. Mm -hmm. But, like, first of all, what did you think of Corey sort of flipping and switching to, I, I guess, Big Brother? So I think Corey is trying to just talk his way out of a decision that him and Fessy clearly already made, which is, wait, we don't have the numbers on the vet side we need to run along and play with the other side of the house or else we're just going to end up being targets right away. I think that's a wrong decision, but in terms of what Corey did, I think Corey was trying to talk his way out of it. Whereas Fessy was just kind of like, nah, this is what I'm doing. And Fessy's mentality. So if you're going to play the way that Fessy's playing, right, you're not going to go with the rest of the vets. His mentality is okay. Well, we're just going to win daily challenges. And as long as we win daily challenges, we're going to be okay. And Fessy, that's Fessy's ego talking. And that's how yeah, he that's... consistently plays the challenge each and every season. And he still hasn't won because, you know, something happens at the end or he messes up in the, in the final or whatever it is. But in terms of the numbers game, because remember, we got the flashback to the first time the blue team won. And the first time the blue team won, Fessy and Tori, they made the moves right away. They were talking about, oh, well, we got to save the vets. All of a sudden, that flipped after one week. Fessy did very little talking. He just jumped on board, whereas Corey kind of spun himself in a circle trying to like talk his way out of it instead of just standing on it. And if I'm going to give Fessy credit for anything, it's going to be just standing on it. Hey, this is the move. Like, I'm not trying to play with the vets or whatever this is just what i'm doing yeah it's just again they must have approached those two like i know we saw them approach Corey. my problem with Corey's thought process here is that you're also going to be the bottom of any other alliance exactly right like you he's not he was has not been on any of those reality shows right mm -hmm. he's from are you the one no he's from the real world he was on the yeah. like, so he they owe him no loyalty. Are you telling me that he's going to join the secret garden and be the ninth, sorry, the eighth person in that alliance and unless, a latecomer? 
Like well, un- unless he thinks there's no men paired with their alliance, and so he could be the guy side of their alliance and reap the benefits of their numbers by being the top guy, him and Fessy, I guess that must be his strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Because nothing else really makes sense. And if we go through like how the votes went and credit to, I mean, Alyssa in this whole back and forth, Alyssa just took charge and she put Tori in her place. I've never seen, it's been a long time since I've seen Tori shut up that quickly, but I thought that was very crazy how Alyssa, you know, Tori's like, oh, well, last week they threw me in and I'm not trying to do that back. So I'm going to put in Monty because he voted for me. And Alyssa's like, well, not everything is about you. Maybe <laughs> some people good. wanted to get John A out. And Tori, the cut back to Tori, and she just kind of like Homer Simpson back into the bush. I was like, whoa. So I rep that. But you got to give Alyssa credit for also trying to make the play to Corey. Right? Yep. And clearly it worked because – Here's the part that I feel like they don't emphasize enough because bananas kind of looked crazy, which we unhinged, we'll say, which doesn't really happen to bananas on the challenge too often. Your man's was shook. But the reality is when you look at the votes, it was six votes for bananas and Monty had two. So even if Corey and uh, if Corey and Fessy, remove their votes off of bananas and put them on to Monty. Now you're going to have a tie. And I don't know how, like what happens with the tie. Maybe they revote, but you, you literally don't know what happens. I guess you revote. Yeah. I don't know. But bottom line is maybe they thought, okay, well, if it's a revote, we're going to lose anyways. So we might as well just side with them. But I still think your overall point is correct, John, because you're going to be at the bottom of the other side's alliance. They're always going to look at you as challenge people. So why would they trust you? You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense, really. And notably, if Wes and Bananas ever get a chance to put Corey in, they're going to put, like, now Now people have motivation to say Corey's name. Exactly. Which where they, they did wouldn't not have previously. done before. The um, In the aftermath, Tori immediately goes to Wes and Bananas is like... <laughs> This, this is what happened. And Bananas, as I said, goes Bananas. He is so mad. And Amanda is just like, this is great. Like, no one's going to be mad at me anymore. And he just rants and raves. And, like, it did. this is my line of the episode because it made me laugh really hard. <laughs> he shouts at Corey for a bit. And then he shouts at Fessel. And he's like, you're just as bad. What planet are you living on? Fessel goes, my home? <laughs> Which is like not how people speak about the planet Earth. Like it made me think now more than ever that he's actually an alien from another planet. Because like it's wow. it was such a like narc reply to be like, my home? <laughs> like, no. Yeah, I thought he said my own, but same thing. Like it, it's my insane. own's even worse. That's what I'm saying, right? Like <laughs> either way, it's just like, bro. And that's what bananas was like, oh man, you are even dumber than you look. And it was true. I was with bananas, right? Because these guys, like how many times bananas is actually right. Like how many times are you guys going to lose at this game? Yeah. <laughs> right. Before you realize that you have to trust in the numbers in the vets, you have to stay with your numbers at least for the first beginning part of the game, because they're going to try to keep getting you out, getting you out. And now let's say the other side of the house wins, let's say bananas or Wes or whoever wins next week, 
who do you think they're targeting? Right. So that's why it made no sense. But the one part I want to bring up, and this is from Amanda again, she says, bananas was so heated. He yelled at at Cassidy to mind her fucking business and go to her room. And he was in her room. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I love it. I love the behind the scenes commentary we're getting from Amanda. Just helps so much. But Corey and Fessy, I don't know. And and you mentioned the bananas montage. Yeah. Like, that was a long montage of bananas was he just drunk. Losing. Like what was going on? Like he was just going for it. Yeah. The obvious manipulation, which will be the name of this episode. Good. I love it. Um so basically the red team in an effort to protect bananas decides to vote all men mm-hmm. focused on Monty and Tyler, but also the green team sort of behind Wes's back. Although I guess Wes would be in on it too. Um, goes to vote for Polly or Josh because they're almost challenge vets. Yeah. Somehow um, we get to the elimination, which is called fire and ice. And there's someone votes for Chanel, which is throwaway vote, which makes no sense. Maybe that was Wes. But the other no, part is like, if you're Wes, you're going to vote for, you're going to just go to bananas and be like, who do you want? I don't get it. I don't know. Who is there for such Chanel. thing as a throwaway vote when that person could end up like their ball could get picked? Yeah. It's so strange. It's so weird. Anyway, um, it is Polly that goes in against Bananas. Uh, the competition, Fire and Ice, they each stand on a block of ice with their arm tied to a bucket of fish guts above their head. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, 25 beanbags to throw at a target, which activates a blowtorch underneath their opponent's ice or turns off the blowtorch under their ice and activates a blowtorch under their opponent's. Um. First of all, what did you think of this competition? There are a lot of moving parts to it. I thought it was really cool. And I think it was harder than it looked. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because like I kept forgetting, oh yeah, they're standing on ice. Like you have to maintain your balance and that can't be easy. And they did that for a half hour plus. So that part while throwing stuff, right? So picture your arm is tied. You have to throw something, but you can't really move too much so that you don't lose your balance. And yet they were throwing those beanbags pretty far and pretty accurately hitting those targets. And I thought that part to me was the most astonishing because they made that part look easy. You would be throwing all with your core in your shoulder, Mm -hmm. which would be hard because your core is already engaged to continue standing on the melting ice. Mm -hmm. And like, weird thing about my line of work is I often have to hold a microphone out in front of me for like up to 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. 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 It's terrible. Like you start to lose feeling in your arm. It hurts. Like it's really hard to hold your arm above your head for over 30 minutes. I can't imagine. That'd be so painful. As also, they only missed once. Yeah. Combined, they hit 49 of 50 beanbags. That's nuts. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that many that they hit, but that is very impressive. And I thought it was really cool. I don't even understand how you could hold your arm out that long. Like uh, the day-to-day stuff that you do is not really 
like it's not anything that I've done on a consistent basis, but I'll say the few times that I have done it, I do remember being like having to switch arms and like have my other arm kind of like prop it up to kind of give it a, an extra boost. But like, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I don't know how they made that look so easy and they did. And I thought the other funny part was Polly was like stone faced and just standing straight like a statue. Whereas Johnny could tell was doing the more, mental aspect of it where his yeah. eyes were closed and he could tell he was like kind of going at it that way from like a mental sort of mind frame if that makes sense um and then yeah half hour plus and then eventually Polly just slipped and Polly you mentioned the one miss Polly misses and then that means the the torch is blowing on his fire or on his ice his block of ice and yeah i mean eventually Polly slips that's that and then we get a real like touching moment between the two of them, right? Yeah, I I was genuinely disappointed to see Polly go. And like not that I wanted him to beat bananas, but like I want I want to see more of this Polly. Like I would I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I want Polly back on the challenge. Like I wanna see more of what he's about, you know? Calm and cool Polly. Um before we get to who killed it this week? We but, were hold asked. On, hold on. There, there's a question, though, about Bananas and what's going to happen at the very end. Oh, yeah. We end on a cliffhanger, right? Is yeah. Bananas going to leave? He's Should he switch teams? He's definitely going to switch teams. That's so, got to be the move. So what's the move? Does he switch with who? Corey? Yeah. You switch with Corey. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think, I mean, we said this last week. The vets have to start consolidating onto one team so that they can Ooh. start winning those votes. Like that's that's got to be the move. Hmm. Okay. So would he switch with like Monty then and go on to Wes's team? I think you switch with Corey, just so that Tori has backup in the voting. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Then, and then like next time, and also because that way there's no challenge vets left on the red team, right? Because John A was on that team. Hmm. Then Wes, next time green team, like next time they have the chance, Wes or Amanda switches. And then you just, you go. And then like, they could probably get Josh on their team. Like I yeah. think Josh would, would be willing to. And then you just go from there. And then it's like the six of you versus the world. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So longtime listener, Julia Lamana challenged us, pun intended. Mm-hmm. to draft uh, players. So do you have a, a top pick? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a gentleman and let you pick first overall. First overall in terms of who's going to win this season? Yeah, let's do like three picks left? each. How many, sorry? Three. Three picks each. Okay, my first pick is Michelle. Oh, staging from what I said last week, she's in the best position. And if we notice what happened this week, she made a huge mistake and it doesn't even matter. She just flies under the radar because no one's even paying attention to her despite being a challenge vet. And she's in the massive alliance. that seems to be running the house. So my next pick then my pick, my first pick is Desi. I think Desi is basically running this house. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are going to fall before she gets got. So I really like your chances. I like that pick. I like that pick. 
Who's your second pick? Uh, my second pick is going to be Corey. Oh, first the time reason, winner. The reason I'm picking Corey is because I think despite this move that he just made, right, he still has the cover of Fessy being a bigger threat than he is, mm-hmm. that he can then that can get thrown under the bus. And the fact that, you know, there's still Wes, there's still Bananas, there's still a bunch of people that can dwindle themselves off, but he still has the experience factor, which will matter more as he gets further along in the season in comparison to some of the other strong players that might not be ready yet because they just haven't been on the show. Uh, All right. I see your logic. Uh, My second pick is Wes. Because of any of the challenge veterans, I think he is capable of actually surviving until the very end. And like you know that there's going to be some sort of, they're going to merge the teams. There's going to be some sort of twist yeah. that he will be able to adapt to quickly. So I'm going Wes as my second pick. I like that. I like that. Um, in my last pick, I'm going to go with, <laughs> I'm going to cheat and take Alyssa, but I'm not going to say which one. Oh, come on. <laughs> Gutless. Uh, I had I had Alyssa L on my list, and here well, you are just sniping it. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to go with Michaela then. <laughs> okay. I think Michaela's shown us something. Um, who killed it for you this episode? Um, do you know what, who killed it in this episode? I'm going to say bananas. Bananas had a funny episode. His back was against the wall. Everyone was gunning at bananas. He gave us entertainment in this episode. He gave us a little bit of everything and a win in an elimination with everyone rooting against him. Pretty much classic bananas, stepping up in the clutch, getting the job done, surviving. And he's about to make a big move. So that's why I'm riding with bananas. Uh, for me, Polly killed it. And the reason why I say that is like, he came back and he is a different person. And, you know, I think that level of growth is remarkable. And, you know, he said it himself. He feels like a true challenge, uh, a challenge vet now. And I just, I wish him nothing but the best. So I was, this, I was really surprised. I was really surprised at who he's become, but like, it's a good surprise. Yeah. Uh, where can the good people find you on social media? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander and shouts to the people liking and subscribing to the YouTube page. Search. You killed it on blast podcast. Shout to the people who are following along on our SoundCloud numbers are bumping. Everything's going well there. Um, wherever you listen to the pod, like, and subscribe, hit us with the like. That's how you support this. The movement that is the, you killed it podcast. We back baby. And you can find me on Twitter and threads at J Chidley Hill until, uh, Monday, Monday. Yeah. Uh, this was, you killed it. You killed it.